Hello everybody, Hunter Gilstrap here for GK for free. In today's episode, we're gonna have a conversation with Evan Bush, uh, all about his journey, uh, all about success and failure, uh, and a little bit about his current situation. So we hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. And I'll start us off, count me down. Uh, three, two. All right, welcome everybody to episode four of GK for free. Um, we are really excited this week uh, because we're joined by our first current professional goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper from the Montreal Impact, Evan Bush. Uh, Evan, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to this for uh, for about a week since you asked me, so I'm excited. Well, look, I'm I'm really glad that you're looking forward to being on a podcast where I drive home from work and lose connection <laughs> and and people listen, but. Maybe a few more people will listen because you're here this time. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, like I like we we chatted briefly before we went we started recording here. Um, you and Will, Will, our co-host, Will's here too. Will say hi. Hey everybody. Uh, you and Will actually met a couple of years ago. Uh, Evan came down and did me and my family a huge favor. Just this, I just want this kind of speaks to the kind of guy he is. He came down to help us out with a fundraiser. Um, for our first adoption, those of you guys that know me know that we've adopted both of our kids and there's a big cost involved in that. So Evan was really instrumental in donating his time and coming down to do a, a clinic for us where we were able to work with some keepers here in the area and raise some money to go to that. So, um, just speaks to kind of the awesome guy that Evan is. I, I met him, I actually think I met you probably in maybe 07 because Right when you came, you were at Akron. I think you came and trained with us during the summer when, at Cleveland. Yeah, either '06 or '07, somewhere around there. Yeah, I was still at Akron, and uh, you were at Cleveland, and it was a great, great summer to to be able to train with you guys. It was a certainly a learning experience to to go into a professional as as professional as there was uh, in that area yeah. at the time. You know, environment. Yeah, Hudson, uh, MC Hudson Fields. I'm not sure. Yeah, so it was okay. It was, it, I mean, we had a good group of guys. I think there was actually a pretty talented group of guys that had pretty decent pro careers there. And Evan was um, goalkeeper at Akron while Akron was really coming up and starting to do some, make some noise on the national uh, sort of scene. Um, and then Evan went on after that to do great at Akron, then go on and play professionally. And, and that's where he is now. We'll get into kind of the details of that. Uh, as we get into some of these questions, um, I do have, I have like one, one really, really wasn't on the question sheet that I sent you and I've tried to get you. Yeah. I've, I've been trying to get you. I tried to get you to answer this when you did like a live stream thing with Steve Clark on Instagram, I think maybe a couple months ago. And I kind of lurked onto that and tried to sneak on, on there and ask you the question. But ever since I've ever known who you are or seen you, you've always had, a bald head, like not bald, but shaved, like short, very short. And all of a sudden this year at age, what, how old are you now? 36, 34. 35, 34. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 34. <laughs> I'm old. I'm older than you. Um, now you've got all this hair. I didn't, I didn't know you had, I didn't know you could do that. Like what, where'd it come from? What happened? I don't know if it's a funny story for everyone, but it is kind of for me. Um, Last year, I got approached by uh, a neighbor slash parent of uh, one of my kids' like schoolmates, 
And right. he said, listen, I, I got this, um, I'm trying to franchise this barbershop. And he had a couple of locations. <laughs> He's like, um, you know, you'd be a great ambassador for us. You know, if you, you know, we come in, we give you the full service, just post about it or whatever. And, you know, it'd be very helpful. And I had a ball, I, I had a shaved head at that time. I said, um, like, I'm going to be an ambassador for a barbershop. <laughs> Look at me. He's like, oh, no, go, go talk to my guy. And, you know, uh, he'll, he'll try to develop something for you. If nothing else, you know, they do the hot towel shave, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I do that a lot. After a couple months and they started growing my hair out and uh, I kind of started liking it. And then about two months after I started doing it, the, the guy that approached me initially um, he, he ended up pulling out of the, the business and okay. there was kind of a bad breakup between him and the, <laughs> like the head barber slash like co-partner or whatever. Um, but long story short, like I still go back there, the, the barber and myself are, are, are good friends now. And, um, I'm still trying to help the, help the barbershop. Uh, yeah, I, for sure. I like the hair. Um, I wish I had less gray hair, but yeah, that just kind of comes with the territory. Sure um, does. I, I do get it like uh especially during the quarantine period i had i had a lot of moments where i'm like man i just want to shave my head because it's like it's work <laughs> like like right now like look it, it's work I, that's why i was wearing a hat but now the cat yeah. i'll keep the hat off <laughs> yeah i mean had anybody actually cut your hair other than yourself like i mean Not colleen does colleen do your neck maybe or do you do that 100 percent yourself no, I mean, uh, I did everything until, until I went to the barbershop. I'd say once I turned about probably 15, yeah. uh, I stopped, I started shaving my head. Uh, but before that, like I grew up, uh, we had a family barber that my uh -huh. dad went to since he was like eight years old that I went to with him, like growing up until I was like 15. So I always loved like the barbershop vibe and like, you know, hanging yeah. out with the guys and all that stuff. So um, you know, I enjoy that part of it, but uh, I certainly do miss the ease of just shaving it off. Yeah, that, I, well, that's, I mean, that's a way better story than I was even anticipating and maybe all we needed to do on the podcast at this point, but yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, you and Will, I, I mean, Will just got a haircut. Uh, I did. I, I, and it's a good looking haircut, Will. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> I've always cut my hair too. Like I've probably had I probably had like six some six haircuts where somebody else cut my hair in like the last I don't know ten or fifteen years and and every time I've had somebody else cut up I always end up like doing it myself after so I get that maybe I just haven't found the right barber it sounds like uh, I need to come to Montreal and get a haircut yeah the guy is good he um he goes to like the NHL awards and does like the haircuts for like the NHL players and stuff like that so uh, it's probably bad that I like started at the top. <laughs> yeah probably probably just gonna shave it off again <laughs> that's all right though hey you you deserve it i think and, and what a you know what a good looking guy to be the spokesperson for the for you gotta plug it what's the name of the barbershop bloke bloke and, and a great name too because it's like that uh like that back in the like 20s sort of especially with the those bloke. Sort, yeah absolutely very cool <laughs> All right. Well, we better get back on topic because I, I want to be respectful of your time, like I've, like I've said. So um, we got these questions prepared, had a chance to look them over. You know, feel free to riff and talk as much as you want to talk. And if uh, I'm not going to interrupt you, if we end up only doing two or three questions because they're so good and your answers are so good, that's all fine with me. Um, so what we've done up until this point, we've we've 
in our first three episodes, we talked basically just about like foundations and technique and, and some, some of the things that I think are really important for goalkeepers to develop good habits. Um, we're not going to do any of that today. We're just kind of going to, going to talk to you and, and hear a little bit about your story and kind of see if we can take away something that maybe could help a young goalkeeper or, you know, inspire somebody, um, you know, to do this. And, and I'm also a big kind of, before we get going, big believer that you got to be kind of brutally honest out there with, with kids and parents about like, you know, it is, it's not realistic to think that we're all going to be professional athletes. Um, you know, this, the, the numbers aren't there, but at the same time, like it's okay to really pursue something that you're passionate about. And I think it's okay to have that balance as long as you're, you're realistic. So I don't want to put the message out there that everybody listening can go out there and be a pro goalkeeper, but everyone can certainly try you know, if it's something that they're really passionate about and see, and see what happens. So, um, you know, that's my uh, disclaimer. So now we'll get into it. Uh, all right. So first question, where'd you grow up? What was your soccer experience like? I'm a Cleveland guy or a suburban Cleveland guy, I guess, um, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. Uh, so coming on with uh, two Pittsburgh-based guys is it's like – tearing at me a little bit uh easy uh, we'll, we'll leave that still. aside <laughs> um so I, i'm sure it's like very similar to a lot of midwest guys uh especially my age where um we didn't have the academy system at that point and even if we did like there's no uh, mls club in cleveland just like there's no mls club in pittsburgh so uh, mm-hmm. we would have been you know an, an offset of maybe like the crew or something if there was um but that being said like I don't even know if I would have been involved in it because I played uh, soccer, I played basketball, I played baseball, uh, kicked for the football team. And I enjoyed doing all that. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for to go back in and just focus solely on soccer as of 13, 14, whatever, like a lot of the kids do now. All right. um, you know, it's, I, I think a lot of the skills that I learned in basketball with, um, you know, my footwork, my eye-hand coordination, uh, my explosiveness, stuff like that, it, it all helped me become a better goalkeeper. Uh, I think if I would have just been a goalkeeper through and through, maybe I wouldn't have developed those types of skills and uh, maybe I would have gotten burned out over the, you know, over the course of time. But um, so, yeah, like any Midwestern kid at that time, I was uh, I started at like the YMCA League as, as a very young kid, um, went through all the, the same travel, rack, premiere, uh, dabbled in ODP a little bit, but that wasn't really my thing because basketball in the winter. So, um, you know, I went from we had a good uh, a good club team. We won like the state state cup, you know, every year, and went to regionals. I never won regionals, but did fairly well. Um, but uh, we weren't like a nationally known team. Like we were always like the the overachievers, and. Yeah because of that, like I wasn't really recruited. I didn't go to the big winter tournaments, you know, in, in Disney mm-hmm. or Arizona or Texas or wherever they were because I was playing basketball. And um, I actually got recruited more for basketball out of high school than I did for soccer. Huh, uh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. Um, not for like high level division one, like it wouldn't have been the same level as me going and playing at Akron for soccer, but mostly division two schools. Um, but that was just too much running for me. You know, <laughs> 
<laughs> like I got, I got fed up with running up and down a 94 yeah. foot board. Um, yeah. And Akron was in the in the backyard, and uh, you remember Kia, right? Yeah, yeah. He was he who was good? Who doesn't know Kia? Yeah, uh, he was good friends with the coach at Akron at the time, Ken Lola, and uh, he he put a good word in for me, and I uh, came in as like the fifth goalkeeper maybe on the team mm -hmm. my freshman year, got redshirted, and um, you know I could talk about that story for for a lot longer if you'd like, but um, yeah, that was kind of my my course to Akron at least. Right. Yeah. That's super cool, man. I mean, I've always kind of known a little bit of that, but haven't really necessarily heard you kind of put it all out there. Um, that resonates with me and probably resonates with Will too. I mean, I was the same sort of thing. I was a South Carolina kid who was sort of a recruited walk on, same at Clemson and you know kind of had to bide my time and and then even still at Clemson I, I was only ever kind of like a you know part-time starter and I didn't really I wasn't like a out and out guy until I transferred to the College of Charleston for my fifth year so um and then Will had a similar thing he sort of go at Pitt you know he played he was a didn't really play at Pitt and then was a starter when he transferred to Westchester when they won a national championship run um so that's really cool to hear and it's really I think it's cool to hear for anybody who's listening that um, it's mostly about getting your foot in the door, right? It's mostly about getting, getting the opportunity. And, and then from there, kind of what you can make of it and having the right attitude. And, and, and the other big takeaway, I think that's really, it's interesting now because even, you know, we're old guys now, but all the kids that we work with and, you know, I don't know if you're involved with much coaching or, or get to see that not even yet with your kids, probably they're too young, but just the, this crazy sort of professionalization of youth sports. Like, I'm not sure that, I don't know what it would look like. I hope for my kids that they're able to play multiple sports and try everything and do all the kind of different stuff, because I think there's so much value in that making them more well-rounded, probably preparing them to be more successful at a high level. You see, you know, obviously, I like to talk about Clemson a lot. Clemson football, they're, the head coach there is so, such a big proponent of recruiting multi-sport multi athletes because they're just more versatile. They're more durable. They don't get injured as often. Um, and, and they're, you know, longer shelf life. So I'm afraid for what's I, – I just think that where we're at right now with youth sports, we're going to reach like a breaking point, and it's all going to explode. And, and I think there will be opportunity again for kids to really get into multiple sports again because we're going to start seeing all the negatives of, of the focusing. But so awesome to hear that. So I'm going to shut up now, and we'll, trans, we'll try to transition into to something different. But uh, and maybe we can kind of touch on that in these next sort of things about kind of Akron and, and your experience there. Um, I think the, the next question sort of might get into that. So I've always felt like you were, even from the kind of the first time that I saw you as a college goalkeeper and worked with you back then, I, I've always felt like you were, were a very technical goalkeeper. I mean, blend of athletic, sort of natural athleticism and technique. Um, uh, hold on. At what point along your sort of developmental path did that become a priority for you? I'll be quite honest, um, and I'm not saying this because I'm on this podcast, but I think training with Aaron uh, with the City Stars was was very helpful in that. Uh, we had goalkeeper coaches at Akron, um, and one of them was pretty good. Uh, my first yeah. year was uh, 
was Jeremy Proud, who I think is he's still in college soccer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he might have been like uh, associate head coach at Louisville or something. Yeah. He was good. Uh, he was a good goalkeeper coach, but it was his first year as a goalkeeper coach, um, so he was still feeling some things out. Uh, and then after that was Dave Gifford, who's the head coach at uh, VCU now. Um, right. But he he was a good goalkeeper coach too. But he was more uh, invested in like the the full team aspect of things. Uh, right. So it it wasn't as focused in my Akron training sessions as it probably is now and right. probably is at a lot of other schools now. So yeah. when I was, when I came to train with you guys um, at Cleveland that first year uh, and, you know, we were doing, you know, the, you know, certain exercises where it, it was just footwork and I wasn't really understanding why we were doing it because it wasn't yeah. always the frame of the goal. It wasn't always, um, you know, necessarily uh, uh, applicable to, to a game situation. But then I realized that it was it wasn't just you know wasting time. It was footwork for for the sake of developing that for for other parts of, of the position. Right. Um, so when I started you know really studying the position after that and really locking into it, which I thought I already did, but clearly I didn't know as much as I, I thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that really turned me on to to the details of the position. And as I got um, out of college. My first, before I joined Cleveland City Stars, the last place I was with um, for an MLS camp was with Seattle Sounders. And uh, at the time, it was Casey Keller was the, it was his first year back uh, in the U.S. And he talked about a technical goalkeeper. He was, he was an unbelievably technical goalkeeper. And so even right. just spending the, the few weeks that I spent with them to see how he approached the position, uh, it was very beneficial to the way I saw the, the game, the position, and um, I really enjoyed it. And since then, like I, I've become very detail oriented and maybe, maybe even sometimes to, to my detriment where you begin thinking about sure. what your body's supposed to be doing instead of just letting your body do it. And right. I think that's a, a catch 22 for a lot of goalkeepers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think we're in a really interesting time now with, I think because of the internet, because of the sort of the globalization of, soccer and sports and now goalkeeping like I'm starting to see a really interesting blend whereas maybe certain parts of the world and certain areas were known for more technical goalkeepers like I'd probably say in the U.S. in the 90s and early 2000s we were kind of known for having technical goalkeepers and and now you're seeing this sort of blend of the more athletic styles the more sort of improvisational styles of you know continental Europe and South America and, and all of it's kind of coming together and so I, I'm trying to figure out like I think you can only teach kind of what you know and what you've been exposed to, but, but like, where's that all come together? You know what I mean? And you even talked too about like getting kind of tangled up in your own thought and your own, am I doing this right? Where I'm sure you've been around now tons of guys too, who you can tell don't think at all. Yeah. And they, they just have an uncanny ability to keep the ball out of that. You know what I mean? So, and finding that balance, I don't know what's better. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And even beyond that, um, you know, I've, I've been on teams with guys that have similar profiles to me and then guys that are completely different than me. So right. as a goalkeeper coach, it's, it's gotta be, you have to be open to, to teaching both ways right. or just letting both ways work themselves out. And if you see something that you think could, could be better for someone then then you point it out. Do you remember Eric Kronberg? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was, he was a massive guy, six, six, five, 
big guy, um, you know, not light-footed at all, but yeah. he could make saves that I couldn't make because of his frame. But at the same right. time, I could make saves that he couldn't make because of my ability to get across the goal and use my feet. So when you talk about, you know, I know one of your big things right now is uh, not talking about blocking shapes and stuff like that. Yeah. But when yeah. you're six foot five, yeah, it's a little easier do. to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. For me and for Will, I, I imagine it's it's much different. We can't block as as successfully as a guy that's the size of Manuel Neuer. Yeah, but you t- you t- you make that sound like you're like not a not a tall guy. I mean, I'm six one. I'm not I'm not like tiny, but I think you're taller than that. Um, with my hair now. Yeah, that's your hair now, especially. Uh, Will, put you on the spot. Ask the next question. Um. Okay. Uh, who is the most influential coaching figure on your goalkeeping slash soccer development and why? Uh, I think the guy that comes to mind is um, the guy that I had my first, my first year in Montreal. And then uh, when Jesse Marsh came in, he was kind of, he was sent with the reserve team and then he came back up with the first team uh, for a few years after that. And his name is Yusuf Daha and he's, the goalkeeper coach at Vancouver now. Um, but, you know, you talk about different types of goalkeeper coaching and what you focus on. And as uh, Hunter was saying, you know, a lot of goalkeepers in the U.S. come up very technical and thinking about their technique. And, you know, you want to get across the goal the right way and set and all these things. And um, there's a lot of value in that, 100%. And I think that that's the most important piece of goalkeeping. But Youssef is a Moroccan guy that – um, you know, he's at that point, at least he was studying a lot of what that part of the world did for goalkeeper training. Um, I think he's evolved maybe a little bit now and, you know, he studies more European goalkeeper training, Italian goalkeeper training. Um, but at that point, you know, I was, you know, jumping over sticks and, you know, through gates and, um, you know, it, it was kind of, it seemed like madness to me, but yeah. it also opened something up in my head where, while you want to do everything in a technical way, you need to keep the ball out of the net first and foremost. And whatever right. way possible that is, if you're sprinting across the goal to, to shut down an angle, it's better than getting across the goal slowly by shuffling or. Right. Absolutely. Or <clears throat> so he was very influential. And um, I think one of the big things that's, uh, you know, some goalkeeper coaches maybe forget or don't put as much emphasis on is, the idea that you need to have, a, especially at the professional level, you need to have a good relationship with your goalkeeper because you're seeing that guy every day for nine to 10 months. And if that person is not enjoying coming into training every day and yeah. not willing to put his body on the line for you every day, then he's not going to perform at a high level. And Yusef was a master at that. And uh, to this day, I have a great relationship with him and we talk all the time still. So. That's awesome. That's cool because, you know, it's not necessarily what you'd expect to hear, you know, hearing first you talk about the things kind of you value at the position and then, you know, the, the coach that you felt like was most influential that you end up connecting the most with is maybe not even the coach. It's not about the, it's not even necessarily about what you do in training. Uh, it's, I think, it, I think you get to a point where it's about having a trust and having a willingness to have those conversations um you know about you know what maybe they think you might 
need to do differently or, or ways you can get better and you're not being able to feel and you're not feeling threatened when, when you're hearing that. And I, and I think it's really hard probably to get to a le- that sort of level um, with goalkeeper coach, especially at the pro level. Um, there's just so many factors and then we can do a whole podcast on, on that sort of stuff too, but um, just great insight. Uh, I want to, I might, skip a few things here um uh, I, I don't know i think if you could quickly sum up kind of your what your pro career has looked like and kind of how how you got to be an mls starter i know that's not necessarily easy to do quickly but because there's we kind of already talked about the thing i want to talk about kind of the most that i think will be the most valuable here but i i don't want to leave out anything important about your background yeah no i, I think that um, my story about becoming an MLS starter is maybe the most valuable to, to young goalkeepers because um, you can apply it to, to any part of, you know, not only just being a goalkeeper, but uh, living your life in general. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was um, when I came out of Akron, we were, we were a top five, top 10 team every year. So I was figuring that I would leave Akron, get drafted and, you know, not make millions of dollars because that's not what MLS was about, but certainly like being MLS and like not, not worry about, you know, doing 14 hour bus trips for USL. Yeah. Teams. <laughs> um, <Right. Yeah. laughs> so I'm watching, I'm watching the, the MLS draft. And at that point it was, I think it was only two rounds and there was like 12 teams in the league. So I didn't get drafted. I didn't get drafted in the supplemental draft. I think there was like five or six goalkeepers that got taken in front of me. Um, one of which was Stefan Fry. The other, all the other ones mm-hmm. are no longer playing. Um, but I was, that was my first disappointment um, in terms of not being seen the way I at least saw myself. Right. Uh, so then I got, I got called into DC United camp, went there for about a week, um, left on my own accord because I, I just didn't think that there was going to be a, a, a great fit there. Um, I would have been like a third or fourth goalkeeper at best. Uh-huh. Keeper at best, probably fourth goalkeeper is more of what they were looking at at that point for me. Um, I left there to go to camp with Puerto Rico Islanders, uh, which was <laughs> a disaster. Uh, <laughs> that was in uh, um, Tampa at, uh, what, at University of South Florida, and the goalkeeper there was Bill Gaudet. Which oh, yeah. Everything is cyclical, so remember that name because yeah. it's coming back in, in, in a couple yeah. of minutes. Um, so, uh, I leave there after a week because I didn't want to live in, well, I, I wouldn't mind living in, in Puerto Rico at that time. I don't want to live in Puerto Rico now, but, uh, <laughs> at that point, um, uh, the club was, the club was actually all right. Like they, they were one of the better, uh, more competitive teams in the league, but like everything else about it was, was just bad. Yeah. Left there and got a call from Seattle to go to preseason with them in Argentina and train with, like I said earlier with Casey Keller and. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Dutra is the goalkeeper coach there and uh, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up uh, so I went down there for two weeks three weeks something like that trained with them um, I have a picture of me and Casey Keller um, in a training session like the first day there I'm in like full indoor soccer pants like padding like full goalkeeper kit because that's what he's he trained in yeah, so Casey like, Keller gear uh-huh. training <laughs> so um <laughs> Again, after like the time I was done there, they said, listen, we can offer you a contract, but you're going to play with like our PDL team. And you're, may, you're probably going to be like a fourth goalkeeper, maybe third goalkeeper. Um, 
and the and it was like twelve thousand five hundred dollars was the minimum salary in MLS at that point. So I'm like, well, I don't think living in Seattle on that money is going to be, uh, you know, that great of a life. So um, I ended up, you know, signing with Cleveland um, at, around the same time you were coming back from South Africa, I believe. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of where we merged and, and you know became closer. Uh, so even then, like it was. I think I played maybe 10 games that year. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you probably was, should have played more games than that. <laughs> it, whatever. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's how it is as a goalkeeper though. Right. Yeah. If you're not the, you know, the veteran guy, um, they're probably not going to go with you. Um, but I think I was fortunate that the club folded as bad mm -hmm. as that sounds because I had a two year contract and I was able to get out of that. And then I went to Crystal Palace, Baltimore, who promised yeah. all this financial funding from Crystal sure, Palace course. in the UK. Um, well, Crystal Palace in the UK went bankrupt about three weeks after I signed. So all the <laughs> funding for that organization went out the window. And um, similar to Cleveland City Stars, by the end of the season, like we had our, we had our coach um, dressing as a player coach. Yeah. Quick side note to him, he, <laughs> he founded True Sox. Yeah. Which now he's like a multi-millionaire and like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but anyway. So Andrew again, Marshall, a little, another Pittsburgh connection. Andrew Marshall, who played with you there on Crystal Palace, Baltimore, yeah. then came on to play here in Pittsburgh while I was here. Now he's like a, a, a big rep for, for True Sox as yeah, well. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, small world, soccer world. Um, again, I, I got like, I got more games that year, probably 25 to 30 games um by the end of the year we were just terrible but I had one I had a good year uh but I had one like probably the best game I ever had in my career was in Montreal in the middle of summer um we played like a 1 p.m game after a 14-hour bus trip from Baltimore to Montreal <laughs> the previous night and I remember saying I think it was actually to to Marshall on the field before the kickoff I said dude my my knees feel like they're made of glass right now <laughs> But it goes to show you, like, there, you never know, like, when that opportunity yep. is going to come. Yep. Like, Montreal was, like, the team in that league at that point. Like, mm -hmm. you wanted to be there. They were going to MLS in a couple of years. Um, and I had 13 saves. Uh, the, the GM came to me in the parking lot after the game, gave me his business card. Um, and, you know, I ended up cutting my season a little bit short that year because of a, a knee issue. Uh, and, again, I, I lucked out because Crystal Palace had uh, – fold financially too and I had a yeah. contract there so I got out of that, that contract um got invited to a trial in Montreal that January which if it's the only time you've ever been in Montreal don't go in January <laughs> the worst place in the world in January but I get up there um going from uh this guy's house that used to play for the team I was uh, I had a connection with him from Cleveland I was staying at his yeah. parents house going to the trial uh, my nose hairs were like freezing on the way, like to and from the car into the facility. <laughs> so I get in there and the second day I dislocate my finger. Mm, and so my, my yeah. trial's over. It was supposed to be a week trial. Trial's over. There was another guy there. I forget his name. Um, he's got a Polish name, but he, he, he was a professional. He played in Portland for a little bit and then he went to, to Europe. Um, but I, I thought for sure that they were just going to sign him because like he, he was pretty good as well. And uh, obviously like I couldn't show myself. So right. I went home and um, was, was kind of at a crossroads and didn't know what the next step was going to be. 
then I get a call back from Montreal about two weeks later and I say, Hey, um, we're going to go to Arizona in a couple of weeks and we'd like to, to have you join us if you're you know, physically able to. So uh, I'm able to go down there, uh, do the, the camp with them for like seven or eight days against MLS teams. And that's when they signed Bill Gaudet, the guy that I was yep. with in Puerto Rico for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and like I was king, king of Puerto Rico. Like for me, for them to bring me in, it was like, okay, we'll give this guy. I think I was making like, it doesn't matter. What I was making. I wasn't making anything basically. Yeah. And like Bill was making a ton of money. Like more, like he was making more than what a lot of MLS guys were making, playing yeah. for the USL team, because they figured he'd be the guy that transitioned with them to, to MLS. Um, and he got hurt like seven seven games into the season and I took over and um, had a really good year. I won the, the golden glove or whatever they called it in, in NASL or whatever the league was called at that point. <laughs> so many times. <clears throat> and even at that, like Jesse Marsh, uh, he was somewhat hesitant to, to sign me um, to an right. MLS contract because I'd never been in an MLS uh, environment before. Uh, but he had signed Greg Sutton to a contract and Greg was backing me up for the, the second half of that year. So for me, it was like, yeah, I felt very like I was frustrated by that. And I, I saw like how some of the politics and yeah, and all those things get involved in it. Um, but, but again, like I, I say all that because it was just, there's two things that they're at play. One is there's always obstacles. If you want to get to the highest level there, not everyone's a Bill Hamid or, right. Um, you know, you know, the, these homegrown guys that are, are starters. Sean Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they walk in the league and they start games. Like there's, there are very, very few of those types of guys. So, um, you know, and on the other side, like guys like with my story, they don't exist anymore either because that pathway from, you know, college to USL to, to back up at MLS and then starting as a starting goalkeeper for, you know, six years, that doesn't really exist anymore either. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's all about keeping the right perspective. Cause you know, I went from being first goalkeeper in college to, to second, to, to first, to third, to second, to, I, I've been in all of the positions and that's given me um, a perspective that, you know, not a lot of guys maybe have and can't handle. So um, certainly everybody wants to be the starting goalkeeper uh, at every club that they're at, but, uh, you also have to approach it um, as if you're fighting for your job every day. <clears throat> well, that's kind of perfect. I mean, I don't know if you did that on purpose, but you kind of set it up perfectly to kind of talk about what I wanted to talk about next. And uh, how many years, I mean, up until this season, how many years had you kind of been the start, the starter on the MLS team in Montreal consecutively, more or less? Uh, I think about six. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that's a long run for an MLS goalkeeper these days, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Especially as an American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely something to be proud of. And then I was watching, you know, as the tournament started up this year down, you know, all the crazy stuff with COVID and you guys go down to Orlando to do the, uh, you know, everybody's down there. I don't even know specifically how, how that worked for you guys. I, um, I know it was crazy. It was but, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know i the big big thing i wanted to ask you about and kind of appreciate you being willing to talk about now is this year um you you haven't been playing games you know what i mean you haven't been starting the games um and so can you talk about that a little bit talk about um what 
what kind of that challenge that's created for you. And then, uh, you know, if that's changed your approach, you know, what you're doing, what your goals are and what all that kind of looks like. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been uh, quite the 12 month stretch. Uh, I ended up actually the last, I think two games of the MLS season last year, um, they made a change. We, we got knocked out, knocked out of the playoffs and, um, they wanted to, you know, give the other guy a couple games and, you know, for me, I was, it was a long season mentally. There was, you know, a coaching change and um, some, you know, things that go along with that type of stuff. And, you know, it was, I was at a point where mentally I was, I was pretty exhausted. So it wasn't like, I wasn't against it at that, at that point, you know, I was pretty okay with just like stepping aside and, um, you know, I, I didn't want to cause, cause a scene yeah. or, or anything like that. And, almost that level of relief that, you know, you know, things are such a struggle that it's, it's almost like on the one hand, there's some relief that you get a break from it. But the other hand, there's that anxiety that, Oh, this, you know, that might be, this might be my job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I went into the, to the off season. Um, uh, and I, I still had, I still have this year and next year on my contract. So I knew like, like it was impossible for them to just like cut me and Mm -hmm. whatever but certainly like trades were were floating through my head not like coming from me but like you know I don't know what the club was thinking um the expansion came and I wasn't protected um so that was an anxious period I got I was in New York City with Colleen and um a couple friends and I got the call from our our, what is he uh chief soccer officer I think his title is Okay. Um, but hey, we're just letting you know, like, we're, we're not going to protect you in the draft tomorrow. We don't think somebody will take you because, um, you know, the, the number that I'm at is, is not ideal with, um, you know, taking on to, to a salary, uh, a budget or whatever. Um, right. Combine that with my age and, you know, it, it probably wouldn't have been the smartest thing for a club. But I was, once my name came out on the, the not protected list, like my picture was like all over MLSsoccer.com is like one of the, the five guys that each team should take. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I like, I didn't, I didn't want to end up in Miami. Um, yeah. Still like I would have been fine with Nashville because you know, it's, you know, it's basically Midwest city. It's close to right. Ohio. But at the end of the day, well, like I, the people in Nashville. Yeah. I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really like looking to, to leave Montreal either. I'm still not. Right. Uh, cause I've been here for this, my 10th year here. So, um, you know, we have a, we have a great life here and my, my three kids were all born here. Um, and coming into this season, we, we got a new coach obviously with Terry Henry and, um, I have a lot of respect for him and, you know, his career and the way he sees the game. And like, I've had some really awesome conversations with him and uh, in terms of, you know, how he sees the tactics of everything and, you know, certain, things that he's seen and dealt with over the course of his, not only coaching career, but playing career. And, um, you know, that, that to me is awesome. Uh, but at the same time, I, I've been, like you said, I, I haven't played a game this year. Um, couple that with the fact that we just finished playing only our eighth game of this season. In yeah. League play. Insane. So there hasn't been an opportunity even really. Yeah. Like we'll play three games. I think we played two games to start the season. Um, in addition to our CONCACAF Champions League uh, games that we were playing. And then we had the, the three-month lockdown. 
Then we played three more games, and then we had a two-week quarantine when we came back and, like, another two-week uh, prep period for games. Um, and then we just finished up uh, three games, and then we'll, we'll have another three games, and then who knows? I think we're supposed to have 12 games. Um, but the opportunity hasn't really presented itself to, to really make a mark. Right. Um, and to be fair, I, I, I didn't have a great preseason. Uh, I, I still had a lot of stuff mentally like that was affecting me from the previous year. And I had lost confidence. And as a goalkeeper, if you lose confidence here, yep. you're in big trouble. Um, I think I've gained a lot of that back. But the way that this year has played out um, in terms of the stoppages and then dealing with uh, we had a collective bargaining agreement situation at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm a player rep for our team. And then after the lockdown, there was another one because the, the CBA was never ratified. So in order to, to restart the season, we had to redo all of that stuff. Um, had a lot of emotion involved in that and trying right. to, you know, put my mind where soccer wasn't in terms of like, I'm, I'm basically like an administrator for, for the guys in my locker <laughs> now more so than I am a goalkeeper. So yeah, yeah. you're being pulled in these directions. And then, even this past couple of weeks, we've had, you know, all these race related things with, you know, teams boycotting, sure. and, um, not playing games. And again, like I was basically guiding those conversations. So my, my energy and focus has been pulled in so many different directions this year that it's been, it's been very, uh, it's been exhausting to be, to be quite honest. And it's, um, and it's been the furthest thing from actually just focusing on goalkeeping. Right. Um, I had a good conversation with a goalkeeper coach, uh, just last week in, in terms of trying to, to refocus that now. Mm-hmm. When I was in Orlando. I thought I, I didn't, I thought I had a great four weeks down there um, because my focus was nowhere else. We were in the, we were in right. you know, right. there was nothing else we had to deal with. Um, you know, all of the, the, the you know, administrative stuff, I guess I'll, I'll call it was put to the side because it was finalized. Um, and I was just, you know, playing goalkeeper and training and probably sleeping more than I, I yeah. Because of kids, yeah, um, yeah, of course. You know that aside. That. Um, when I got back to Montreal, we had the two-week quarantine. Got back in the training, and um, all of the you know the, the social justice stuff was going on. My focus got deterred again. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really, I don't care if I'm 34, or if I'm 21. It's still hard to to try to compartmentalize some of these things, especially when they're so important. You know, and you know, cause yeah, because. Of course, affects everything. It's like a small part of right. Or sport in general is a small part of what's going on, and uh, it'd be so far down the priority list for everyone. Yeah, be ignorant to to push all that to the side just to focus on goalkeeping, even though that's my my job first. Mm-hmm. Of all, you know. Yeah, but I, I mean that was a long winded answer for for your question. But in terms of how I'm seeing it, um, yeah, it's it, it's it's not ideal, but I think that if I was 28 and dealing with this, um, maybe I would ask for, for a move because I would have more years in front of me, but I know that I have more years behind me than I do in front of me in in this career. Um, and you know, I've, I've always, I've been loyal to this club. This club has been loyal to me. So for me not to, um, you know, give that loyalty back or that respect back and, um, approach training and approach my role with the team and the club in, in the right way, it would be disrespectful to, to the life that they've helped me develop here. Right. Well, I, I think it's just, you know, getting to kind of know you personally and watch what you've done and watch your career and watch the impact that you've been able to have 
not because the team's called the impact, but, uh, you know, you've been a steady and really positive figure on, on the field for them. And uh, it's also been very clear that you've been a really positive figure in the community up there, which has got to be an interesting dynamic and a challenge. And that's another something we could do a, a whole po- podcast on probably, but uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. So we probably got time for maybe one more um, question. So I think if I got to pick for a minute and then I'll let Will ask you something. So we'll, I know you got something you want to ask. So come up with it after this. Um, so I think just so that we can kind of come full circle, what, you know, if you were talking to, you know, 15 year old Evan Bush or, you know, a kid out there today, you know, what, what do you think is, and this doesn't have to do, anything with what we've been talking about with GK for free doesn't have to do anything with technique or, you know, that what's kind of the one thing that you think is the most valuable, you know, advice or tip or, you know, piece of knowledge that you could give, you know, to that young goalkeeper that, you know, wants to do this, that wants to try it, that's, that has talent, or maybe, you know, any, any kid that's really passionate about something, and they want to pursue that, you know, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, I think that that is probably the answer. It has nothing to do with actually the position. It has to do with your, your love affair with the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, being a goalkeeper can sometimes be a very lonely position on the field, as both of you guys know. Um, it's, it's a weird dynamic within a group because you don't, you're not with the group a whole lot. You're, you're with your your other goalkeepers for the majority of the training session. And then depending on your coach, you know, you could spend a lot of time with the field players or you could spend very little time. I've had a coach uh, a couple of years ago where four out of the five days of the week, I wouldn't um, training days of the week. I wouldn't uh, be with the field players at all. I didn't play one small side of game the whole season. And <laughs> it was probably my best season I ever had as a goalkeeper. But uh-huh. at the same time, you know, you walk in the locker room and these are guys that you haven't really communicated yeah. with and uh you know had dialogue with for for the majority of the week um but because of that you have to fall in love with the position and you have to right. follow the details of the position um you can't rely on other people pushing you because uh, you know I, I think one of the questions was how do i how have my relationships been with other goalkeepers yeah. I've played with yeah um mm-hmm. and this kind of brings it in where you're not always you can't always rely on the goalkeeper you're with to, to push you because especially yeah. at the professional level, those guys are, are typically trying to take your job. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've always prided myself to, to have good relationships like you and I have had. Um, yeah, I remember when Troy Perkins came in, I, I'd heard some things about his relationships with other goalkeepers that kind of, I'm like, shit, like this isn't what I've uh, right. always had good relationships. I don't want to have a bad relationship because that's, that's a miserable training environment but my relationship with him was was awesome um and and I've always wanted that because I think in those small settings you're able to exchange different ideas and and what you see and what you've experienced and stuff like that and the most enjoyable training environments I've ever been in were the ones that loved the position and the nuances and the details of the position as much as I had and mm-hmm. you were like that. Caleb was like that. Um, Troy was like that. 
Donovan Ricketts was not so much. <laughs> um, you know, it's a cultural thing probably, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys that love the position. I like to talk about it and, you know, talk about things that have happened in other games around the league and stuff like that. Uh, it's, you know, you're typically not talking about the, the full game. You're talking about did yeah, you see this, those you know, moments save or this, you know, mistake or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's enjoyable for me. And I, I think that if you have that passion as a, as a kid to really dissect the game and dissect the details of the game um, of other goalkeepers and then bring that into your game, you know, that's going to really help with your progression. Yeah. It's really, it blows my mind how many kids – Pittsburgh's a little bit unique, I think, because culturally it's it's a different place for soccer, even the kids that play soccer. And then I've had some good keepers come in through here that have gone on to do some cool things. We've got, you know, a couple have gone on to MLS academies and uh, I think a couple with pro opportunities. But, you know, it's it's unusual. And this is not speaking for those guys specifically or girls, but it's unusual. I would say majority of the kids I work with in our academy environment you ask them about a game or a save or something and, and they'll look at you like you have three eyes, you know what I mean? Like, and I just, in the back of my head, I I just kind of think to myself, I think I might be wasting my time and I think I might be wasting your time because if, you know, if you're not, like you said, if you're not in love with this, if you're not passionately pursuing it and then I don't know if it's going to happen for you. I mean, you'd have to just be, and there are plenty of super talented athletes I've worked with at a high level, but those are the outliers. They're the ones, they're the ones that, that like you were referring to the, the Bill Amids and the Sean Johnson there. I'm not saying those guys aren't super passionate and love with the position and work as hard as anyone else, but they, you know, they've been that guy since the time they were 12 years old and have more opportunity than the rest of us are going to have. And, you know, that's not necessarily what this is all about for the rest of us that tried to get there or like you that did were able to get there. So um, I appreciate you sharing this with us and, and spending your time with us. And I would love to keep going and getting to answer all these questions, but you're I think one, more thing, one more thing I want to add yeah. um, as you talk about that is, and we talked about my story a bit is um, it's not all, rainbows and butterflies you're gonna fail there's gonna be yeah. a lot of failure and yeah um, yeah I've, I've built a, a nice career and uh, I'm very proud of, of that but I've had a lot of failures both mm-hmm. small and big through the course of my career and you have to be prepared for that and you have to get yourself back up and get back at it if that's what you yeah. want yeah and what a per- what what an incredible what's so unique about this position and the experience of a goalkeeper if if you do it until you're 17 years old or you're able to do it for longer than that is you're going to deal with so many, it's unavoidable to deal with shit being dumped on your shoulders. You know what I mean? And, and, and the resiliency that you have to develop in, in doing that. And even just in a, you know, you're 13 years old and your team gives up a goal and you couldn't have done anything about it, but everybody on your team turns around and said, why'd you do that, Evan? Why'd you lose the game for us? You know, and that, and you can magnify that as much as you want, but that's, learning to deal with that prepares you for life because life is the same thing. You know what I mean? Life is, you're going to be dealt with challenge after challenge after challenge and how you choose to respond to those challenges will define your path. So uh, that's awesome, man. Will, what, Will, what do you got for Evan before we go? Um, Okay. So I'll try to make this quick. And I mean, you kind of head in that direction uh, briefly there, but so uh, when I think back on, 
you know, my kind of like development as a keeper and like coming up and, you know, from high school to college, um, there's a, there's just a couple moments here and there that have kind of acted as like, say like a catalyst. It's kind of propelled me into, I don't know, maybe a higher level of playing or thinking about the position. Um, are there any moments like that for you that you, that pop out in your head that like kind of was kind of like a turning point for you as a, as a goalkeeper? Yeah. And, and honestly, a lot of them are, are, are moments of failure. Uh, like I said, so you can choose to, to get mad and, you know, resentful and whatever you want. Um, but I remember uh, a specific instance. Um, I, I remember this play like it was yesterday because it, it's still like I, I felt like I let my team down. Uh, it was 2000, 2007 uh, NCAA tournament against South Florida. It was the, the second round to go to Sweet 16. And like we were a much better team than South Florida. But the game went into overtime, and I came for a cross that um, it was like a lofted ball that if I should or shouldn't have gone to get, you know, that's to, that's beside the point. I, I went for it, and I didn't I didn't get it. Um, and they ended up scoring, like, right off of it. I think it got knocked down, and they scored, and we got knocked out of the tournament. And um, seeing the, um, you know, the, the guys on my team be – you know, especially like the senior guys that like that was the last game they'll ever play and feeling responsible for that. Um, that really, that really um, kind of uh, revved me up to, to, to be better going into the next year. Um, and I got better in a lot of ways. Uh, I made sacrifices to going into um, my senior year where I went and played PDL in Cape Cod. And at that point, like I was, I didn't want to go to Cape Cod in the summer is great, but I didn't really want to go to Cape Cod in the summer because um, I had a girlfriend. Um, I had friends, you know, I had to make, make a decision whether I was going to be, you know, really attack that next season and attack trying to be a pro or if I wanted to, to enjoy my, you know, the rest of my college days and whatever. So I went to Cape Cod and it was a, a lonely experience, but it was also a great experience because um, I was able to develop under, you know, coaching staff that didn't really, you know, to put it bluntly, they didn't give a shit who I was or where I came from. Um, they didn't care that I went to Akron because um, at that point I was still under the impression like, oh, I, I go to Akron. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's treat me better because I'm, I'm an Akron zip, you know. Um, they didn't care about that. And that was good for me. So I went there and uh, I went into my senior season with, uh, with a new – you know, focus and energy and mentality. And, um, you know, so, so that moment sticks out because I, I try to avoid those feelings as much as possible uh, in terms of letting your team down. And I've certainly let my team down, you know, more times than I count, can count since then. Um, but it, it wasn't because of things that I, I didn't do. Like, I don't want to have regret in, in uh, not being prepared mentally or physically for a game. So, um, you know, because of that, that moment, I kind of shifted my mindset and I think it helped me prepare myself for, for more failures down the road and, and being able to bounce back from those. Perfect. That's awesome, man. And I just love how many times you talk about failure and I'll probably, I'll probably even put something about the, about that in, in the title. Um, not in a way that makes you sound like a failure, but uh, <laughs> just because I think that that is so important to the goalkeeping and, and to life and, you know, could get even deeper. And, you know, the other stuff, uh, you know, I, 
selfishly hope that we can maybe find time to do this again in you know six months or a year and um because I do also want to talk to you about you know what it what it's been like because there's all this other side to soccer and to you know all the stuff that we're doing here and I want to also want to be able to talk about you know what it means to live a good life and to be a you know put family first and um and I think you're just a great example of that and so you know I'd love another opportunity to talk about that stuff with you. I wanted to get in that today, but you know, I too too many questions here. So, Evan, I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, I've always valued your friendship, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to play with you and to get to know you and to be your roommate. And all those all those road trips uh, back in 2009. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, one quick thing before we get off, I don't, I, I was going <laughs> to mention it, but I, do you remember the last road trip? I think it was in Vancouver um uh, yeah city stars and our team meals were going to to jam's room and she would give us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for our, for our professional soccer team team meal <laughs> uh i don't know if that was as good as the as the uh as the team meals on in our professional soccer preseason camp in uh, Zeno, ohio with the garbage bags full of pasta but uh yeah i think i think the good news is if you're a usl player these days life seems to be uh a little bit better for you but i say that for me just that's just a big warning sign because this league's sort of always gone like this so maybe get ready for one of these for um, some clubs the, the ones yeah. that are that are you know supported by mls clubs i think will be fine yeah but. yeah anyway Man, I, I appreciate you, and uh, I wish you the best. I wish you and Colleen and, and your kids the best, man. And uh, you I know, if I can ever do anything to help, I'm never too far away. Awesome. I just, you know, I got. I guess I got to embrace the fact that you say I'm from Pittsburgh now, but I grew up in South Carolina, man. Uh, all right, uh, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us on GK for free. Uh, Everybody, thanks for listening. Um, go follow Evan on his socials. Evan, what's your what are all your uh, handles? You know, <laughs> um, I think Instagram is Evan Bush One. Uh, Twitter is E Bushel One. I think. Okay. Let's be honest, like that's. Look for the blue check, and then you'll find yeah. Evan Bush in social yeah. media land. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you guys. All right, this has been Hunter Gilstrap and Will Marshall and Evan Bush for GK for free. Everybody, thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right.